This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Thursday, January 19th. You're listening to WNBF. As Binghamton area speedy lovers expressed disappointment by the sudden shutdown of Lupo's SNS Char Pit, the operators of the business are evaluating their options for the property. During a live radio interview Wednesday, Steve Lupo told WMBF News there's certainly nothing good about closing a business or a restaurant. The landmark Char Pit closed its doors without warning Sunday evening, shocking loyal customers and out-of-state fans who looked forward to visiting the restaurant when they visited Binghamton. Lupo said the company's wholesale meat business, which operates a processing plant in West Endicott, continues to be great, but he said we are trying to decide if we'll stay in retail with the restaurant. The SNS Char Pit opened in a former Dairy Queen restaurant building on West State Street in 1978. Lupo said a lot of thought was given before the closing, but he said Sunday was our last day. He said consideration had been given to downsizing or developing a takeout operation. Now that the restaurant is closed, Lupo said he has more time to consider the future and weigh various options. He isn't ruling out resuming a retail speedy business, but he said if we did something, it would be a smaller operation. Tonians aren't sitting back on our haunches and basking in the lack of snow this year because we know better. We know that the worst of winter hasn't even arrived yet and that although the weather conditions have been relatively uneventful, they won't stay like this. Believe it or not, despite how mild winter has been so far in upstate New York, Binghamton still takes the title as being one of the snowiest cities in the United States. Mind-boggling given our current mild winter. But don't let out your breath just yet. We're not meteorologists, but we do predict we'll see at least one huge winter storm before April like we do virtually every year. According to Angie, which pulled data from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's National Centers for Environmental Information and National Climates reports, three New York cities have landed on the list of the snowiest cities in the United States. Cities were ranked by average snowfall over the last five years. Obviously, Buffalo made this list, but what if we told you that Syracuse, on average, sees more snow than Buffalo? According to the reports from the NOAA... Syracuse averages 77.5 inches of snow, and that snow total places them on number 4 on the top 25 snowiest cities list. Falling close behind Syracuse and taking number 5 spot is Buffalo with an average of 68.8 inches of snow. The 6th snowiest spot in the United States belongs to Binghamton, where we average 61.9 inches of snow. On January 15th, state police arrested Patrick T. Combs, age 24, of Roxbury, for grand larceny in the third degree, criminal possession of cannabis in the third degree, and operating a motor vehicle while under the influence of drugs in the first degree. State police were called to State Highway 30 in the town of Roxbury for a report of a larceny by a store employee. A preliminary investigation determined that Combs stole an undisclosed amount from a safe and then left the store in his vehicle. Troopers located Combs and when approaching his vehicle could smell an odor of cannabis. While conducting an inventory of the vehicle, troopers located a large amount of cannabis, a weight scale, drug paraphernalia, and alcohol. The investigation is ongoing. On January 17th, state police responded to Interstate 81 northbound near mile marker 101 Point three in the town of Hastings for a reported pedestrian struck by a vehicle. When troopers arrived, they observed multiple vehicles parked along the shoulder of the roadway. Interviews with those drivers revealed several vehicles subsequently struck the victim in the roadway. The 20-year-old male from Cicero was pronounced deceased at the scene. Based on interviews with witnesses and evidence collected, investigators believe the pedestrian appeared to have walked in the lane of traffic purposely. The name of the victim is not being released at this time. No criminal charges are expected against any of the drivers. The investigation is Continuing. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul's nominee to be the state's chief judge was rejected by a state Senate panel Wednesday. The Senate Judiciary Committee 
voted not to forward Hector LaSalle's Court of Appeals nomination to the full Senate after questioning him for more than four hours. Most of Hochul's fellow Democrats voted against LaSalle. Hochul said he he deserved a hearing before the full Senate. She nominated LaSalle just before Christmas, hoping he would become the first Latino to lead the seven-member high court. The pick ran into trouble after a vocal coalition of opponents claimed LaSalle's judicial record was too conservative. As New York opens more legal outlets for recreational marijuana, some public health advocates want more scrutiny on how marijuana products are being marketed to teens and young adults. Flavored nicotine is being outlawed by more states and cities, but similar bans don't often apply to marijuana products advertised as Mad Mango, Peach Dream, and Cereal Milk. In New York State, regulators are considering rules that would ban brightly colored labels and advertising that could entice young people to cannabis products. The proposals would prohibit cartoons and neon colors, as well as forbid packaging that could depict marijuana products as candy, soda, drinks, cookies, or cereal. The countdown toward a possible U.S. government default is in the offing, and frictions between President Joe Biden and House Republicans are raising alarms about whether the U.S. can sidestep a potential economic crisis. The Treasury Department projects that the federal government on Thursday will reach its legal borrowing capacity. It's an artificially imposed cap that lawmakers have increased roughly 80 times since the 1960s. Markets so far remain calm, as the government can temporarily rely on accounting tweaks to stay open. That means any threats to the economy are several months away. But this particular moment seems more fraught than past brushes with the debt limit. When Elon Musk wants to make a point, it can often be blunt. On the day he took over Twitter last fall, he walked into the San Francisco company's headquarters carrying a sink. He tweeted, let that sink in. Get it? Twitter has gotten rid of most of its workforce and has fallen behind on rent and contractual obligations. Now it's auctioning off memorabilia, fancy office furniture, and professional kitchen equipment from its San Francisco offices, where large spaces now sit empty and free meals are a relic of the past. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, rain, possibly mixed with snow, becoming all rain after 11 a.m., a high near 39 degrees, chance of rain 100%. Tonight, showers likely, mainly after 3 a.m., cloudy with a low near 36 degrees, 70% chance of rain. Tomorrow, rain showers likely before 9 a.m., then rain and snow showers likely between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., then rain showers likely after 11 a.m., cloudy with a high near 40 degrees, chance of rain 70%. Tomorrow night, a chance of rain and snow showers before 9 p.m., then a chance of snow showers, cloudy with a low near 27 degrees, chance of rain 50%. Saturday, a slight chance of snow showers before 2 p.m. Cloudy with a high near 33 degrees, chance of snow 20%. Saturday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 26. And Sunday, rain and snow, likely after 2 p.m. Cloudy with a high near 37 degrees, chance of rain 70%. Sunday night, rain and snow, likely before 2 a.m., then a chance of snow. Cloudy with a low near 32 degrees, chance of rain 70%. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 F. News Radio 1290 WNBF Bob Joseph In a crowd in the city I call Martin Undercover on the edge I Across at me with eyes that look but cannot see. Out of reach, out of love, stepping out of bounds.
Bob Joseph with you. It's Thursday, January 19th, 2023, and we are live, and the phone lines are being opened right now. 607-772-1290. Email address is bob at wnbf.com. Your email submission will be considered for broadcast during today's program or possibly on a future episode. So if your email is not read today, it very well, very well could be read on a future episode. So stay tuned. Always listen. Because wouldn't it be a shame if the email you submit today ultimately is read tomorrow or Monday or even in February or March? Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be a shame? If you didn't hear it on the air. First email du jour sent three minutes ago from Gary regarding the debt limit. If the fight over raising the debt limit is so important, why isn't Congress in session this week? It's just more political drama coming from Washington that won't amount to anything. Thank you, Gary. Your point is well taken. Congress, I believe, should be in session at the moment, and they should figuratively lock the doors. Not literally, because that would be hazardous and would be a violation of D.C. and probably federal regulations. So you can't literally lock the doors with uh, all the members of the House and all the senators stuck inside their chambers. But basically, call them back in the session. Okay, I admit, it would be difficult probably to get them all back to Washington by today. Put out a notice right now, whoever thinks they're in charge. Um, Hakeem Jeffries and Charles Schumer should put out an alert to all members of their respective houses, hey, we resume. Business will resume at noon Friday. We will reach a solution on the debt limit. We will. And we won't leave D.C., we won't leave the Capitol until this is resolved. As they say, end of message. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is DJ in Binghamton. It's been a long time since I've been the first caller. How you doing, Bob? Never better. Good. That was a really game, a good game last night. Uh, there were two excellent basketball players on the opposing team from from Sweden, Helena and Raja, and the game was close and it was exciting, and uh, we really enjoyed it. I heard Roger Neal this morning. Oh, yeah. By the way, here's here's a surprise. I know you'll appreciate this surprise. Even though, yes, I will. Even though Mr. Neal was on with James Kelly uh, last yeah. hour, by special arrangement, our people contacted his people, and Roger Neal will join us live on this program because that's the kind Today? of... Huh? Today? Yeah. Oh, good. About, about an hour from now. That's the plan. He, he plans he to in, plans to uh, join us at, at ten fifteen. That's his plan. 
10.15, okay, that's an hour. I don't know if I'll be listening. Well, circle that in your radio guide. Well, if you can't listen, you can always hear it on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Where is my radio guide? Oh, here it is. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, he interviewed Catherine when she won Miss Pennsylvania after she won a Miss New York contest. Roger Neal, we went downstairs, and, and, and Catherine was wearing this black like cocktail dress right for the interview, trying to look all nice with her sash and her crown. And Kathy White came up the stairs and goes, you're going to freeze in that thing. <laughs> Instead of saying, oh, you look nice. You look so nice. To Catherine, she, you're going to freeze. Well, it's wintertime, but these women wear no sleeves because, it, you know, they're beautiful and they want to show you that they are. But anyway, the reason I called is because um, <clears throat> the first shofar has been, we know that a trumpet is that brass instrument with the three things that you push up. And Doc Severin's in from the Tonight Show played one excellently. And there's a Mr. Trumpet, Gerald's brother. He, he plays trumpet so good in Binghamton. Well, a shofar is Israel's um, version of a trumpet. It's a ram's horn. Right, Bob? Did you ever hear about that? The ram's horn, the, the shofar? It's a trumpet. Well, I thought it had something to do with the NFL. Yeah, the rams, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan <laughs> of the rams. I'm also not a fan of the Packers. Continue. That's a good one. I like the Rams when Roman Gabriel played for the Rams. Oh, back I'm looking days. here online. I can get, I can get a classical Rams horn shofar for nineteen yes. bucks. Nineteen there bucks. I'm, I, I thought they'd be. I mean, they have all sorts of. You know, if you want to spend more, like with anything, uh-huh. you can spend more. Here's one extra large Yemenite shofar for one thirty four ninety five. Uh, delivery is free. Delivery now, is free. That's the one you. That's the one you want because. With a good one, you can make tones instead of just going. You can go. Yeah, I want. I want the good one. Actually, here's a better one. Here's. I'm looking. It. Oh my goodness, this is a good one. I'm trying a, to tell a you. Kosher kudu shofar horn from Israel, traditional half polished shofar, and it's on eBay for two forty three sixty eight. Except it wouldn't be delivered here till January thirtieth. So what do I do in the next eleven days while I? Await my beautiful new shofar. Listen, you can go down probably to the Temple Concord and get one. But my point is, check this out. The first shofar or trumpet was blown in America in 2016. Do you remember that? I was woken up at 2 in the morning. By the way, I I find that difficult to believe. The first shofar was blown in America in 2016, seven years ago. I find that difficult to believe. Yes. Because a shofar, another word for shofar, is a trump or trumpet. And he won in 2016, and he's, he's, he's running again for 2024. So when he, if he wins in 2024, that'll be the second trumpet blown before the, the rapture comes, which most scholars say is going to come around 2050. Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, the big heavy hitters. I'd like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. <laughs> I love when you play that. I know. See, he's a blowhard. And and in order to play a trumpet, a shofar, you have to blow hard. And President Trump is a real... I like him. I'm not saying this to put him down, but he's a blowhard. And and he's he's the first Trump. He's the first shofar. Because he went off like that right there. I like to punch him in the face. You know when he's Mr. Tough Guy? When he's standing behind a microphone by himself. There you go. That's me. He was talking about me. He was talking about Bob and Binghamton. With his amazing questions about did you ever have a Speedy? And if so, when 
Did you meet? Did you meet? <laughs> you asked him that? Stormy. Yeah. You asked him that? Did yeah. you ask him about Speedy? Yes. I remember you talking about when he, oh. you interviewed him. Well, it was it was so much fun. I knew I knew it was one of those cases of one and done. So I I made the most of my opportunity. I asked him the toughest questions, the best questions. They were the best questions. Well, being a bachelor back then, I, I would have asked him about Ivanka probably because she's kind of my she's in my dating range. She's a you know I like them blonde and safe. This pastor's Paula White. Did you know that? He was what what happened? What happened to Jared Kushner? Jared Kushner left? No, Donald Trump was flicking through the channels, and he saw this preacher on television named Paula White. I, I was at her church in Tampa. Oh, I, I thought a, you meant Tammy Faye. I was doing a two-night revival on Friday and Saturday night. I didn't have anything for Sunday morning, so I went to Paula White's church in Tampa back in, like, around 2004. And she had this real famous basketball player. The place was packed. There like, 5,000 people. No kidding. And so... Years later, Donald Trump was flicking through the channels and saw her and said, I want to meet her. And she was the one who prayed in the, the inauguration when he was inaugurated. She prayed. She's got a blonde. She's, you'd know her. You probably know her. You can, you can take your formerly nicotine-stained fingers and punch it in, as you say. Punch in. I don't have to. I already, I already know of whom you speak. Okay. So, well, anyway, what else? What do you think about day, the, uh, the controversy with all the, all the secret documents? What happens next? You know, my speculation, which is just simply speculation, is that they were they were planted. He's too old. You think he's? You know what he's thinking about? Not documents. He's thinking about vanilla ice cream. Joe Biden is not thinking about documents. No, he's, he's probably thinking, thinking gonna... more about vanilla ice. Uh, <laughs> you mean the guy that got held over the banister by Suge Knight's thugs? Suge Knight was his his contractor. He was his manager. Don't call Suge Knight's people thugs. They were associates. Well, back then, they're probably... Thugs, had, come on, DJ. Thugs has a, a negative connotation. They were well, associates. Probably, they were associates, saying, not thugs. They're probably preachers now, because a lot of us were thugs. Back in, and God got a hold of us. Yeah, so... <laughs> I, um, I had something I was going to say, and I decided to... No, I decided that... No. No, I, wa I want to at least work through the end of the week. Come on, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, well, we'll we'll see what happens. I I certainly am expecting some great things today, and I know I know I'll be keeping an eye on WNBF.com because that's where I expect at least a couple of very intriguing local stories to be posted by end of business today. So if people love local news, and I know a few of you do. Check out WNBF.com because I'm typing away. No, I'm not type. Don't type away while I'm doing the program. Come on, man. Can't multitask. 607-772-1290 is the number if you'd like to talk on our party line. By all means. And, of course, as we mentioned earlier, uh, email Bob at WNBF.com. I have a sense really have a sense that we'll be <laughs> reading lots of emails today, like this one, for example, from our friend Ron in Binghamton, whose phone, sadly, is broken, but he is able to communicate via email. And his email observation sent just moments ago, subject line, excellent. 
and his observation. It's a pithy six-word observation, but it's very meaningful. The show has been great so far. This is Bob Joseph, live on WNBF. Did you know? All right, I'm going to listen. 926 WNBF with Bob Joseph. Let's take a look at the forecast from the gang at Mount Eptrick, the weather gang. I mean, the National Weather Service, that gang. Winter weather advisory is in effect until 4 this afternoon. Winter weather will occur because we're right in the middle of winter, so any weather that occurs between December 20th and March 20th is winter weather. So you're advised accordingly. Here's the guidance from the Winter Weather Advisory Center. Mixed precipitation, total snow, and sleet accumulations of up to one inch, baby. And ice, ice accumulations of a light glaze. So that's why your eyes look that way. Plan on slippery road conditions. The hazardous conditions could also affect your ability to navigate on certain highways and byways. Please remember the utility plo- uh, <laughs> utility poles are closer than they appear. Now here's the official forecast. Rain, possibly mixed with snow. Becoming all rain later this morning, high 39. Cloudy tonight, showers likely, low 36. Tomorrow, some rain and snow showers, high 40. And right now, in the heart of... The city of parlors, it is um, 90, oh, I mean, 36. (laughs) It's 36. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? (laughs) He gave up. And who could blame them? Who could blame them? They were all all poised to speak intelligently. Let's see. (laughs) That just came in here. Oh, oh, sorry, I'm momentarily distracted by a photo. Oh, I crocheted these pups for the grandkids for Valentine's Day. Oh, oh, they're beautiful pups. Beautiful. Mm. And somebody wrote back, those are really cute. I'm glad you have time for some hobbies. And it says, good to do in the cold weather. So anyway, that's that's one of the breaking stories I'm following right now. That's the story from Quinnyville. No, it's not Quinnyville. Could have been Quinnyville. That's the story from somewhere in the Binghamton area making contemporary news. It's 929. What's going on here? Oh, the... Big project for Kmart. Well, it's not Kmart anymore. It's it's um, the Green Mountains. The Green Mountains. When I heard Green Mountain Electrical Supply was coming to town, I thought, silly me, I thought it was like a division of Green Mountain Coffee. I thought 
until I did some research, it turns out Green Mountain Coffee has nothing to do with Green Mountain Electric Supply. The people from Vermont who want to take over the Kmart Plaza with their blue light special. So anyway, they're getting, as we've already discussed on the program and on WNBF.com, they're getting zillions, I mean millions of dollars in incentives to um, take over the abandoned Kmart store that's been sitting there, just sitting, deteriorating. Remember that one guy was talking about putting in a shrimp farm? (laughs) That was my favorite story. I think, was it last year or the year before? Well... We have interest. Somebody is, we have a bite from someone who wants to put in a shrimp farm at the old Kmart store. And I thought, hey, that'd be great. The kids over at Jenny F. Snap Middle School could have um, plenty of shrimp cocktail lunches if they chose to raise shrimp at the Kmart. Well, it turns out they didn't. Instead, uh, they, they found Green Mountain Electric Supply for this $12.1 million project. So more than $3.1 million in state funding is to be provided through Endicott's Downtown Revitalization Initiative Grant, which was approved in December. So that's money from you, the taxpayer. Also, you, the taxpayer, will give them $350,000 to renovate the 95,000-square-foot structure, which once was home to the Blue Light Special. And as if that weren't enough, there also will be a pilot. No, not that 70s group. A pilot payment in lieu of taxes. Payment in lieu of taxes. And let me see. So it's going to be a 15-year pilot. So it means less tax money coming in. Uh, to, I believe, the Union Endicott School District, the County of Broome, the Village of Endicott, and also the Town of Union. So over 15 years, they get a tax break. And let's see, a cost-benefit analysis from the Industrial Development Agency. So... I guess I guess the assertion is the cost benefit analysis looks good. So and it will be nice, trust me. It'll be nice to see something positive happening with that building, the old Kmart. Remember how they closed suddenly in early September 2011 because of the flooding? Well, at one point Kmart corporate was planning to reopen that store and then Kmart corporate basically had bigger problems so Kmart Kmart basically imploded it's not not the fault of Endicott or Binghamton or Vestal Kmart just you know, let's just say many observers thought Kmart was just completely mismanaged for a period of time. But again, going back to that story that captivated me, it was actually in April of 2021 when we were told that um, they, they wanted possibly to 
set up a shrimp farm. A shrimp farming operation, tank-based indoor shrimp. Said the operation could require plenty of water and also use a lot of energy. And apparently the person who expressed an interest in raising shrimp at the Kmart store in Endicott had indicated the project could include a solar farm, and they thought the solar array would generate electricity to help keep the water warm because if you're growing shrimps in Endicott, they (laughs) need to be kept warm because a warm shrimp is a happy shrimp, I guess. So anyway, Green Mountain Electric Supply preparing to start renovating the old Kmart store. And what used to be the Endicott Plaza. So there is progress to report. It's 9.35. This is Bob Joseph Live. Let's go back to the phone lines at 607-772-1290. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name and where are you calling from? I'm calling from the west side. I'm one of your beloved guests. Oh, yeah, Ron. Nice email, by the way. That was... Thank you. That was was award-winning. I'll put that... I'll put that, I'll nominate that for email of the month. Thank you. Thank you. Only six words, too. It's brief, you know. Well, That's the best. You know, you can say you can say a lot. Actually, for the email of the month competition, I think the only emails that will ever get nominated are, are messages that are ten words or less. Because if you can come up with a pithy observation about the program or about the world today in ten words or less... That's powerful. Well, thank you. Well, you know, so far, so good. Uh, You know, Bob, I called about uh, something. In fact, now I'm getting to the point in calling your show that I'm forgetting why I called because I'm thinking of the little observation at the beginning, which, you know, basically serves for me being on the air with you for the entire, entire call. Uh, But I did wonder, as I was dialing and you were talking about the shrimp farm, um, the shrimp farm uh, was proposed for Endicott, was it not, in like an IBM site? Oh, yeah. Well, it was going to be at Kmart. That's what I loved, that the the guy who was, you know, sort of the local guy in charge of the Endicott Kmart, told me and then once we reported it he he was unhappy you know it's weird that somebody would say to a reporter yeah we have uh, a bite from someone who wants to uh, possibly grow shrimps at the Kmart and then when it gets reported in a story you're upset it's why would why would you tell a reporter something like that if you didn't think it was going to show up in a news story yeah, and and uh, the thought I had when you when you brought this up was, okay, Endicott a shrimp farm, uh, Bob O'Mark to open in Endwell, and Bob is going to highlight Bago shrimps, correct? Yeah, it all it's all part of a sick twisted scheme that I started a few days ago with that stunning stunning photo on the street of Johnson City of uh, a bag of shrimp you know it looked like a 16 ounce 
plastic sealed bag of shrimp that I came across at 840 in the morning on my way here to the station when I truth be told I now I can reveal where it was it was near the those apartment buildings in Johnson City that the guy from New Jersey plans to um, well fix up one or two of the apartments and then knock down one of the others for parking but when I was out there uh, visiting the three rundown apartment buildings as I scampered back to my car i noticed the bag of shrimp and then i thought hmm there's good eating yeah bag of shrimp well and it was still within the window of opportunity i think whatever whatever day i spotted it if people actually after i put it on twitter people look closely at the label and i think it said oh actually let me look at the picture to see what it said um oh sell by it said sell-by, and it still was two days before the sell-by date. So even though it was on the pavement in the middle of a street in the village of Johnson City, some people said, hey, that's perfectly good shrimp. There's there's no reason to look askance just because somebody discarded it on the street. Somebody also theorized that it fell from some guy's pants after he uh, stole it from the nearby price chopper. But there's no way to corroborate that. But it sounds plausible. Yeah, I, I once, believe it or not, I once found, this is years ago, a bag of shrimp uh, when I was walking along the street, and I just, you know, I I picked it up, and I, and I looked at it, and you know how they have that thing on your rearview mirror? It said on the bag of shrimp, shrimp are larger than they appear on the front of the bag. Good. You know what, always, oh, I, I think, I can't remember... For sure. I know one time when we were talking about bago shrimp, I, I laid the groundwork to explain because I was wound up getting sidetracked with my visit to Three Mile Island to the world-famous partial meltdown site in Middletown, Pennsylvania. But one part that I don't think I mentioned is part of that um, adventure with a friend uh, in the Harrisburg area. There's a store, or there was a store, very close to the fabled TMI nuclear plant where the partial meltdown happened in 1979. We stopped by this store, and they had these, I thought they were just like the biggest shrimps I've ever seen. They looked like, they looked like each one weighed about 40 pounds, and then my friend said, well, those aren't shrimps, Bob, those are prawns. Yeah, but, and I thought, oh my goodness! If those are shrimps, we we may we may need to do some radiation testing because if they were getting those gigundo forty pound shrimps out of the Susquehanna River near TMI, I mean Houston, we've got a problem. Yeah, yeah uh, those shrimp I believe had three eyes. Also. <laughs> At least a couple of them, I think, had six eyes. But hey, uh, somebody. Somebody out uh, out uh, over on Main Street in Middletown told me them's good eating. Them's good eating shrimps. Yeah, and I bet you know if you went to a nice restaurant in that area <laughs> and you looked at the menu and you ordered a shrimp cocktail, you got one shrimp because <laughs> it was so big. Well, maybe you'd get only half a shrimp. Maybe a half. You know, one of those dinners. You know, say for Valentine's Day, the the Valentine's Day special. We serve you. A 75-pound farm-raised shrimp from the <laughs> Susquehanna River. Even just the thought of it. Mm. Whoa. 
hey, that's not why I called. <laughs> I didn't think so. Oh, I, I have a serious uh, situation about our beloved park. I mean, our favorite park, Bob, Rec Park. Now, park now what happened? Now what Ooh. sort of criminality has transpired? Well, Bob, you know, as you know, I go to that park every day. And, in fact, uh, during the 10 o'clock news, I will go over and take my dog to the park. I'm there every day. And I've been doing this for years now. So I've seen the changes in the park, for better or worse. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the tennis courts, well, that's a story of its own. I, I was going to say, we're never, by the way, you know, tennis gate, you know, it's, it's interesting how, how something so seemingly innocuous, you know, at first everybody's like, eh, you know, so design or construction error, no big deal. Well, it's small things like that that, that lead ultimately to uh, a stunning <laughs> August resignation announcement. So I'm just saying usually it's not, it's not the crime or the mistakes that get you. It's the cover-up. So, you know, the, the fact that this tennis gate thing has been allowed to go on for years, seems like years since they uh, last had the tennis courts fully open over at Rec Park, you know, that's not the big problem. It's the fact that they have tried to conceal the truth. Hey, Bob, how about if I meet you some morning at Rec Park, I'll be on the tennis courts with a racket looking very forlorn. You'll take a picture and you'll put it up. You'll post it as, you know, forlorn old man waiting for tennis courts to open. All right. Um, have my people, or no, have your people get in touch with my people. We might be able to set that up. Tennis gate. And eventually... Thanks to the newly reinvigorated, is it newly reinvigorated? Anyway, thanks to the all-powerful House Oversight Committee, eventually we'll get some answers to whatever happened to the tennis courts. It's one of the biggest mysteries on the West Side. Imagine what Rod Serling would think. This is Bob Joseph live on News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM. And you can always be connected with us using the free WNBF app. Your News Radio 1290, Don't you think that it's boring how people talk? Well, yeah, sometimes. It's true. Making smart with the words again. Well, I'm bored. Don't be so bored, please. Because I'm doing this for the thrill of it, killing it, never not chasing a million things I want. Let's go to the tennis court. Come on, man. And I am only as young as the minute is full of it, getting pumped up on the little bright things I bought. Let's go play tennis but at Rack Park. Let's go down to the tennis court and talk it up like, yeah, sorry, the tennis court is closed. Sorry, 
WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, good morning there, Bob. It's Dave from Vestal. And, yeah. uh, Do you have any tennis I'm courts in Vestal? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I'm not a big tennis player, Bob. I uh, Tennis and golf and stuff like that, I, you know, I stuck to the main stuff, football, baseball. Uh, not a lot of hoops, but uh, tennis I tried, actually, Bob, and I wasn't good at it. You know what? It was a good workout. But I had a hard time keeping it on the court. You know, I, <laughs> I had a hard time. That and bowling, I was never good at. Golf, um, I don't even consider a sport. If you're not running, jumping, or actually doing something rigorous with your body, I don't. I, I consider golf like shooting pool. So I, I, I was more of an athlete than that. So here we go. Now golf is going to call in and be mad. But anyways, I, I had to... I was looking at City's New York Post, Bob, and, and, and the front page, boy, did I think of you when I saw that. The city that always reeks. <laughs> oh, was it about weed? The the, the oh, aroma yeah. of weeds? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought of you because you, you're always complaining about downtown Binghamton. Well, right? it is. It, it, was bad. <laughs> it was bad before it was legalized. Now it's just pervasive. It's And, and let's face it, it's the type of, hey, the... the, the Aroma of weed can't be covered up. I mean, you can't use one of those little tree air fresheners and get a giant one and put it on the side of the WNBF tower and another giant one and put it on the side of a Hochul's <laughs> office building. I mean, it's not going to cover it up. It's going to make it worse. I see that headline, by the way. <laughs> and the, I like the file photo, too. It's like, good grief. Good grief! I didn't see the camera. And you know how much do I get? How much do I get for my image being on the front page of New York's Post? <laughs> yeah, they said New York is waking and baking. Sure. <laughs> I mean, and then of course the bigger thing is about the uh, uh, thing with the the uh, confidential documents with uh, Scranton Joe. Nothing to seize here. <laughs> you know, the New York yeah, New York's Post hey. has more fun. They have so much fun. Oh, they, they have a lot of fun, Bob. We won't get, I won't go into anything that they ever said, but remember back in the day when Anthony Weiner was having problems? Oh, enough. Sorry, I can't go there. Ooh. Ooh. That's the third rail of radio. On the other hand... The New York Post, I think, did more than a hundred covers featuring the disgraced congressman. <laughs> they sold a lot of papers, thanks to Tony. It's Bob Joseph on WNBF. Hey, don't blame me. I just work here. You want. WNBF Live with Bob Joseph at 954. Mike and Endwell, good morning. You're on the air. Yeah, Bob, uh, I'm a poor man in Endwell. And I, I went to the Bondera uh, Christmas uh, dinner, and I just want to congratulate them again. I know he's done a great job uh, taking over for his father. And, and I'm thinking about uh, when I go to Y, uh, there's many, many, many of those individuals way financially better off than a Bondera family are doing absolutely nothing for anybody. Maybe you can uh, ask some of these people to start doing the same thing for poor people uh, the way the Bondera family has done the last 30 years. Maybe that would make this a better economy in Broome County. And the other thing is, 
Uh, Don Lopardo, I remember several times pushing for term limits. Uh, she just got in for her 10th term. And her, the three items she pushes for, ma- uh, uh, marijuana, hemp, uh, drug clinics, and uh, microbreweries. I don't think when my father got in the 40s, that's what Broome County was. The, and these three are the three things, are, are and, and handcuffing the police. These are the three things that are screwing up the uh, uh, the crime element in Broome County. And I don't, when my father came here as an immigrant in the 40s, I don't think that was Broome County. No, and I don't think that's going to be a good thing for Broome County in the future. That's all I got, Bob. All right. Well, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Uh, 9.55. This is Bob Joseph, live on WNBF, 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. In about 20 minutes, the plan... And remember, it's only a plan because this is a live program where anything can and sometimes does happen. The plan is to uh, chat with Roger Neal, Binghamton University, a basketball activity as uh, the season moves forward. With basketball coming up tonight from the Albany area. So we'll get a preview on that and some observations from Roger Neal coming up at about 10.15. That's the plan with Bob Joseph on WNBF. Joseph Live on a Thursday morning. You're listening to News Radio WNBF Binghamton at 10 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Thursday, January 19th. You're listening to WNBF. As Binghamton area speedy lovers expressed disappointment by the sudden shutdown of Lupo's SNS Char Pit, the operators of the business are evaluating their options for the property. During a live radio interview Wednesday, Steve Lupo told WMBF News there's certainly nothing good about closing a business or a restaurant. The landmark Char Pit closed its doors without warning Sunday evening, shocking loyal customers and out-of-state fans who looked forward to visiting the restaurant when they visited Binghamton. Lupo said the company's wholesale meat business, which operates a processing plant in West Endicott, continues to be great, but he said we are trying to decide if we'll stay in retail with the restaurant. The SNS Char Pit opened in a former Dairy Queen restaurant building on West State Street in 1978. Lupo said a lot of thought was given before the closing, but he said Sunday was our last day. He said consideration had been given to downsizing or developing a takeout operation. Now that the restaurant is closed, Lupo said he has more time to consider the future and weigh various options. He isn't ruling out resuming a retail speedy business, but he said if we did something, it would be a smaller operation. Tonians aren't sitting back on our haunches and basking in the lack of snow this year because we know better. We know that the worst of winter hasn't even arrived yet and that although the weather conditions have been relatively uneventful, they won't stay like this. Believe it or not, despite how mild winter has been so far in upstate New York, Binghamton still takes the title as being one of the snowiest cities in the United States. Mind-boggling given our current mild winter, but don't let out your breath just yet. We're not meteorologists, but we do predict we'll see at least one huge winter storm before April like we do virtually every year. According to Angie, which pulled data from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's National Centers for Environmental Information and National Climates Reports, three New York cities have landed on the list of the snowiest cities in the United States. Cities were ranked by average snowfall over the last five years. Obviously, Buffalo made this list, but what if we told you that Syracuse, on average, sees more snow than Buffalo? According to the reports from the NOAA, Syracuse averages 77 and a half inches of snow, and that snow total places them on number four on the top 25 snowiest cities list, falling close 
behind Syracuse and taking number five spot is Buffalo with an average of 68.8 inches of snow. The sixth snowiest spot in the United States belongs to Binghamton, where we average 61.9 inches of snow. On January 15th, state police arrested Patrick T. Combs, age 24, of Roxbury for grand larceny in the third degree, criminal possession of cannabis in the third degree, and operating a motor vehicle while under the influence of drugs in the first degree. State police were called to State Highway 30 in the town of Roxbury for a report of a larceny by a store employee. A preliminary investigation determined that Combs stole an undisclosed amount from a safe and then left the store in his vehicle. Troopers located Combs and when approaching his vehicle could smell an odor of cannabis. While conducting an inventory of the vehicle, troopers located a large amount of cannabis, a weight scale, drug paraphernalia, and alcohol. The investigation is ongoing. On January 17th, state police responded to Interstate 81 northbound near mile marker 101.3 in the town of Hastings for a reported pedestrian struck by a vehicle. When troopers arrived, they observed multiple vehicles parked along the shoulder of the roadway. Interviews with those drivers revealed several vehicles subsequently struck the victim in the roadway. The 20-year-old male from Cicero was pronounced deceased at the scene. Based on interviews with witnesses and evidence collected, investigators believe the pedestrian appeared to have walked in the lane of traffic purposely. The name of the victim is not being released at this time. No criminal charges are expected against any of the drivers. The investigation is continuing. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul's nominee to be the state's chief judge was rejected by a state Senate panel Wednesday. The Senate Judiciary Committee voted not to forward Hector LaSalle's Court of Appeals nomination to the full Senate after questioning him for more than four hours. Most of Hochul's fellow Democrats voted against LaSalle. Hochul said he he deserved a hearing before the full Senate. She nominated LaSalle just before Christmas, hoping he would become the first Latino to lead the seven-member high court. The pick ran into trouble after a vocal coalition of opponents claimed LaSalle's judicial record was too conservative. As New York opens more legal outlets for recreational marijuana, some public health advocates want more scrutiny on how marijuana products are being marketed to teens and young adults. Flavored nicotine is being outlawed by more states and cities, but similar bans don't often apply to marijuana products advertised as Mad Mango, Peach Dream, and Cereal Milk. In New York, state regulators are considering rules that would ban brightly colored labels and advertising that could entice young people to cannabis products. The proposals would prohibit cartoons and neon colors, as well as forbid packaging that could depict marijuana products as candy, soda, drinks, cookies, or cereal. The countdown toward a possible U.S. government default is in the offing, and frictions between President Joe Biden and House Republicans are raising alarms about whether the U.S. can sidestep a potential economic crisis. The Treasury Department projects that the federal government on Thursday will reach its legal borrowing capacity. It's an artificially imposed cap that lawmakers have increased roughly 80 times since the 1960s. Markets so far remain calm, as the government can temporarily rely on accounting tweaks to stay open. That means any threats to the economy are several months away. But this particular moment seems more fraught than past brushes with the debt limit. When Elon Musk wants to make a point, it can often be blunt. On the day he took over Twitter last fall, he walked into the San Francisco company's headquarters carrying a sink. He tweeted, let that sink in. Get it? Twitter has gotten rid of most of its workforce and has fallen behind on rent and contractual obligations. Now it's auctioning off memorabilia, fancy office furniture, and professional kitchen equipment from its San Francisco offices, where large spaces now sit empty, and free meals are a relic of the past. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. 
Today, rain, possibly mixed with snow, becoming all rain after 11 a.m., a high near 39 degrees, chance of rain 100%. Tonight, showers likely, mainly after 3 a.m., cloudy with a low near 36 degrees, 70% chance of rain. Tomorrow, rain showers likely before 9 a.m., then rain and snow showers likely between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., then rain showers likely after 11 a.m., cloudy with a high near 40 degrees, chance of rain 70%. Tomorrow night, a chance of rain and snow showers before 9 p.m., then a chance of snow showers, cloudy with a low near 27 degrees, chance of rain 50%. Saturday, a slight chance of snow showers before 2 p.m. Cloudy with a high near 33 degrees. Chance of snow 20%. Saturday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 26. And Sunday, rain and snow likely after 2 p.m. Cloudy with a high near 37 degrees. Chance of rain 70%. Sunday night, rain and snow likely before 2 a.m. Then a chance of snow. Cloudy with a low near 32 degrees. Chance of rain 70%. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Bob Joseph live on a Thursday morning on News Radio WNBF. with kicks with radio that's all you need is radio a live radio program in your community three hours a day that's all you need for your kicks 607-772-1290 is the number if you'd like to as they say reach out and touch some host figuratively dial carefully uh, you can also email. I think today it's not an official contest, but I like what we started uh, last hour. Ron from Binghamton provided a witty and thoughtful observation about the program via email, and he did it using six words. So I congratulate him on uh, a clever six-word email. He said, the show has been great so far. So I thought, well, let's nominate it for email of the month. And I observed if you can do something in 10 words or less in an email or even a tweet, it's probably rather effective. So Kelly from Binghamton wrote regarding dogs. She says 10 words or less. Don't get a dog if you can't afford your bills. I agree. Thank you, Kelly. So that also will be nominated for email of the month. So if you have any other email thoughts, send them to bob at wnbf.com. You're welcome to send us observations, especially today, 10 words or less, if you can do that with a, a thoughtful comment, whether it's about something local or national or whatever, hey, send it to us. If you send an email that's longer than 10 words, I'll read it to myself, and then I'll consider whether to read it on the air. But I'll give priority 
to anybody who sends an email that might be 10 words or less. Sometimes, as they say, shorter can be better. It's 1014 at News Radio, WNBF. Coming up next, we'll talk live with WNBF's Roger Neal. This is News Radio, WNBF, 921 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. Ten sixteen with Bob Joseph on WNBF, and that music means it's time for Roger Neal. Good morning. <laughs> I love that. I love that music. Yeah, I, I I say that's always your walk-on music when when you join us here on on our little gab fest. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Great. I heard you this morning on with James Kelly, and you sounded like you were uh, in fine spirits. Uh, a lot of good things going on as we start this new year, 2023. It's looking quite nice for uh, Binghamton University Bearcats. Absolutely. And uh matter of fact, as we're speaking here at this moment, I'm at practice a shoot-around this morning for the Bearcats. Now, Sefkew Arena, which is where Albany generally plays, is under construction. They're doing a lot of construction on that entire complex. So they're playing their home games and having any practices that are available to either visiting teams or Albany itself here at uh, the Hudson Valley Community College. And that's where I am right now. Shoot around just getting underway and they'll be on the court for a few minutes here getting ready for tonight's game and uh, looking forward to it. It's a beautiful complex here at Hudson Valley and uh, we're looking for uh, a good game tonight. Over the years, Albany has had a pretty good edge on the Bearcats. I don't know if that's going to hold up tonight. Think of the universities playing some great basketball. They beat UMass Lowell, which was the um, number one team in the conference. Bearcats beat them by a single point behind 19 points from Jacob Falco the other day. And then uh, last night, UMass Lowell won, but they beat a team that was tied for first place, UMBC. And with that, the Bearcats now have, at this early juncture, obviously it's you know a quarter of the season, but Binghamton is in sole possession of first place in men's basketball in the conference. I don't think that's ever happened. So uh, it's pretty exciting. And the Bearcats are playing, obviously, some very good basketball now. We'll see what they can do tonight here against the Albany Great Danes, but we're looking forward to it. And last night, it was a thriller at the event center. Big crowd, over 2,100 on hand for the women's game. And you, Albany, beat Binghamton by four points, 64 to 60. Today, Bowman, it was a big night for her. They recognized her for her 1,000-point mark that she has in her career. It was a celebration before the game. And then she had 18 points. And Ella Wanzer scored 21 for BU but just couldn't quite pull it out. Albany won it by four points. Now, Albany's unbeaten in the conference at 7-0, and so a tough game, but an exciting one. I heard that one uh, on our mobile app. Our sister station, KISS 1041, had it with Jacob Wilkins. And so uh, the same for tonight. It'll be on WNBF this time with men's basketball. And you can check that out on our mobile app, too. So we're looking forward to it, Bob. It should be a lot of fun and excitement right here from the Albany area. Well, I know just the fact that uh, things are, are going very nicely at this point, and it's exciting. I, I uh, have heard from a number of people who've been to uh, some of the Binghamton games, and and they are just 
very enthusiastic when they have a chance to to see the games at the event center in Vestal. Yes, uh, you know, it's just been a, an exciting time. Uh, Binghamton tried to, to rebound from some tough seasons. Uh, last year was a pretty good year, but certainly not at the level that they want this year. A little different story right now, anyhow. You know, albeit early in the conference, but uh team has been playing well. Lavelle Sanders has gotten a uh, an enthusiastic response from his team, and uh, just a lot of fun. You can perhaps hear in the background spirited practice and shoot-around going on. Kids are having fun, and uh, you know that makes generally for an exciting game. So um, good things are happening. The women are doing well. Uh, and along with that, of course, there have been some great successes in the fall sports season. So overall, uh, exciting times. Eugene Marshall has uh, just been named the new director of athletics. He brings a lot of enthusiasm into his position, and uh, I, I think overall things are are looking up. Uh, and it'll be interesting tonight to see again against a team that has had good luck over the years against Binghamton. Last year, both teams won one game in two meetings, uh, so things have evened out a little bit. Uh, the Bearcats owned Albany in the early years of America East, and Albany came back with at one point a 14-game winning string in the series. And now Binghamton hopefully will have the upper hand tonight. But, again, you never know, and that's that's why they play the game. So uh, I hope folks will tune in tonight, 7 o'clock, our, our pregame coverage at 645. We'll talk with Lavelle Sanders for a preview of what his team will face here tonight. And that's on regular WNBF, or is it on WNBF Plus? <laughs> Uh, you can call what you want. I would say, I would say, uh, what could we call it? Uh, WNBF uh, squared. Classic w- WNBF classic. classic. There you go. Yeah. I like that. Avail- I like available that. to everybody at at yeah. absolutely no charge. Whereas no fee. we and put if, it on WNBF Plus for a nominal yeah, fee. Yeah, AM and FM, <laughs> and then uh, of course online WNBF dot com and with the free mobile app. I, I love the mobile app. Uh, it's great. You can follow along uh, on what's happening. Uh, I was um, at uh, UMass Lowell last weekend for the women's game, and uh, the men played an hour later. So as I wrapped up our broadcast on KISS 1041, I immediately went to the mobile app for WNBF and followed along with a call on that one. Uh, so that's you, you could do it that way. Uh, you're never out of range. If you have cell service, you can pick up with the mobile app the game coverage and follow along. And, of course, Obviously, it holds true for your show, James in the Morning, and all the good things on WNBF. So uh, it makes it very convenient. Absolutely. Well, we'll be listening tonight. Personally, uh, because I'm sort of a traditionalist, I'll probably be tuned in to 92.1 FM to hear the excitement using frequency modulation. There you go. Absolutely. Uh, again, Binghamton 3-1 of the conference. That's number one right now at America East. And, you know, along with this game, uh, I'll be staying on the road with the Bearcats. We'll play at 2 o'clock up in Maine on Sunday. And then BU's men's team will be back home next week. Next week. And on Wednesday night, they will take on the storied Vermont Catamounts, a team that has owned the conference now for a number of years. That'll be exciting. I want to mention, too, Bob, next week uh, people can get uh, coupons at Wise Markets. It'll be building event center night. And so three ticket coupons will be available for uh, people who want to come out and see that game. So you combine that with a good start for BU and facing uh, the always tough Vermont Catamounts, and that should make for one big night next week 
next Wednesday at the event center. All right. I appreciate the update. Keep in touch if there are any new developments. I Please. I will absolutely do that. Absolutely. Bob, thank you very much for letting me be part of your show, and uh, have a great day. Thank you so much. Roger Neal, live on News Radio, WNBF, and WNBF.com. With the word now, if you feel that you can't go on because all of your hope is gone and your life is filled with much confusion until happiness is just an illusion and so on and so forth, just reach out and I'll be there. Again, if you feel that you can't go on. Bob Joseph, uh, 1028, let's go back to the phones. John in Binghamton, good morning. Well, if you feel you can't go on, then... uh New York State has, uh, the State Senate has got a solution. I see on the television news there was, uh, were uh, maybe a, a dozen state senators, and of course Leah Webb was there, uh, touting uh, the uh, reincarnation of the assisted suicide effort in New York State, physician-assisted, full Kevorkian, as it's called, and uh, this is against my religion. It's against most religions. It is anti-human, anti-life. And they have a very clever, you know, and Derek Humphrey, uh, who uh, founded the Hemlock Society, what a fake and phony fraud he is or was. He didn't. He want. He, he aced his wife and, and talked his wife into acing herself, and then uh, he didn't want to do it himself. These people are sick, and uh, I think we've got to find out what church Leah Webb went to. I, she seems like a very nice person that would uh, lend itself to this position that she has. And there's a uh, woman of uh, Greek heritage. Uh, that's sponsoring this bill. So we, we've really got to go uh, like this NHL player. We, we've really got to determine people's religion uh, to assess these issues like physician-assisted suicide. It is absolutely crazy, but makes common sense, because if they're going to do it to a baby, uh, they're going to do it to you. And this is part of New York State policy, you know, abortion on demand, but they, because it's just a fetus, but 
it's a baby as far as these handout programs. Did you see that that new uh, tax credit, New York State? If you're six months pregnant, you get it on behalf of the baby in your womb. So this is the same baby that they're telling you you have a right to kill. So, I mean, you know, uh, if, you're, if you have the sniffles, if you're over 60 years old right now and you have the sniffles, look out. Someday that van, that New York no. State van. No, is John, no. Don't do this that to me. I'm not uh, going to get any sleep now. Well, I'm not going to get any sleep. What if what if I inadvertently tell someone just in passing, you know, I have a slight sore throat and then I want, you know, I'll wake up in a cold sweat at 3:30 tomorrow morning and look out my window and somebody is driving by in a van. Turns out it's actually the guy who delivers the newspaper, but still I'll mistake it for the guy that you said is coming by. And then what? Then what? I'm going to lose lots of sleep. Oh, if well, first of all, it's not even – first of all, it's just a proposal. What do you think – what do you think the odds are this year during the current session of the New York legislature of this actually being approved? 100 percent, and I'll tell you why. Really? They've got a very, they've got a very clever front person who uh, claims and I, I, to have cancer uh, – and she also claims very cleverly that she's going to live a long time. But she wants the option. And she's the, the point person, the poster child, the poster person uh, for this new, new uh, reinvigorated push. I just don't, uh, I don't see the state Senate approving this. I could see it possibly will. passing the Assembly. I just don't see the Senate. And furthermore, furthermore, if it does pass the legislature, both the Assembly and Senate, I can't see Kathy Hochul signing it into law. I think that would go against her moral uh, beliefs. And and even, dare I say, I shouldn't bring this up, but possibly even against her religious beliefs. Well, that, that's our problem. Uh, that's our Catholic burden. Our Catholic public officials uh, are a terrible embarrassment uh, to us all. Uh, and uh, uh, one wonders uh, on a national level. But the only Senate seat we control, Bob, is our Senate seat, the people's Senate seat. And this Leah Webb, if you're old, wants to kill you. She does want to kill you. This is what this legislation says. Uh, The idea that a counselor, I mean, think about this. And by the way, they say, oh, there's so many safeguards. Tell that to the people that signed donor cards and had their organs pulled out because they signed donor cards and they weren't dead. And there's been numerous incidents of that. So uh, all these controls and all these safeguards, some kook uh, is going to interview you and then sign off on it. That's some safeguard, you know. So, look, they're coming for you. Uh, you're a useless eater. You've outlived your existence. You're an expenditure. Uh, they want to clear the rolls. They want to replace you, and they're going to replace you, and you're going to be executed like Saul Roth was in Soylent Green. All right. Well, there you go, which reminds me. i got to see if that's still streaming on Netflix. <clears throat> Light viewing 
for a Thursday night in winter. Bob Joseph with you, 607-772-1290. We're entertaining phone calls, so if you have an informative and even, dare I say, entertaining phone call, certainly place it now. Love to hear from you. You can also try to participate in our email competition, bob at wnbf.com. What can you do in 10 words or less via email? Please, please try. If you wish, if you submit a decent one, we might even nominate it for email of the month. We're live on a Thursday morning. Bob Joseph on WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and with Bob Joseph. Yeah, I'm going to be wide awake at 3.30 tomorrow morning wondering if that white van is really the guy who delivers the newspaper or some other guy. 607-772-1290. It is uh, Bob Joseph live on the radio. I'll be here uh, until noon. Of Of course, maybe I'll have a late night presentation. Can you imagine if I just showed up tonight at midnight and did a three hour program from midnight to three? Boy, the fans of the red eye guys would be steamed. They would be steamed. Bob, you can't do a live local program from midnight to three. We wanted to hear the red eye boys from Texas, the Lone Star states. Well, (laughs) it would be fun just to see if anybody, some night, and by the way, it won't happen tonight, so don't stay up late expecting it, but just some night with absolutely no advance notice, if I just showed up here at the station and (laughs) said it's late night with Bob Joseph, just see if anybody would call in. It's tempting. I think I might run that up the flagpole in the executive suite to see if anyone salutes the idea. I think I think it would be fun, even if we did it just once or twice. And I would I would give as um as a, a nice gesture, I'd give the red eye guys a heads up that we were gonna do it and let them know that it's not because of anything they did, just because we wanted to super serve our Binghamton audience. And just on occasion, just when people least expect it, say if they're up late driving around or maybe maybe they're having trouble falling asleep or whatever, or maybe they're at work, so they're listening. It's 12.06 a.m. Good morning. Bob Joseph live with a special episode of Late Night with Bob. You know, it might not be a bad idea. So stay tuned. Let's take another call. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name, and where are you calling from? Airport Road, Bob. Hey there. So listen, it's, you know, um, 
local government is just so out of control. I think we need to wake all these citizens up in the uh, Broome County area. Um, as you know, um, I went to the town of Maine meeting the other night. I went to the town of Union meeting last night. And um, as we all feel that local governments try to keep everybody in the dark or aren't really performing to what we would expect as citizens, uh, residents, taxpayers, um, it's been amazing. It's like a joke. Well, were these meetings covered by the news? No. Are you telling me we have we have in this town we have four TV stations actually five when you count Spectrum News so we have five TV news outlets we have uh, the newspaper we have uh, WSKG Public Media and of course my own personal favorite News Radio WNBF so you're telling me those meetings in the town of Maine and the town of Union received no news coverage. As far as I know, I mean, you read the local newspaper just like I do. There's nothing in it. Um, We see nothing on television. There's no coverage. Um, I confronted the town board um, with what was happening at uh, Airport Road, Town of Maine, Town of Union, that they are, the IDA is proposing a corporate park on 300 acres that will affect the residents of the area changing the zoning from residential to who knows commercial or industrial um the town boards refuse to give any information they both refuse they both say they have no information and that the IDA is a process that they're sitting there waiting to find out what's going to happen and when asked why somebody at these town boards hasn't, you know, inquired what's going on with the IDA. The same answer is that it's a process and we have to wait until they come to us. Well, Um, taking that approach, people in the towns of Maine and Union are likely to know that the industrial park has been approved when they start seeing the giant heavy equipment moving in and they start uh, excavation operations. I guess that's... That's probably when, I mean, given the sorry state of our media infrastructure, because I, it's probably not going to receive any news coverage. Uh, well, my question is, you know, you know some of these people, and, uh, you know, I've, I've watched the politics around here for the last 25 years. Um, I always thought Mr. Bucci did a great job in the Binghamton area, and I understand he's on the board, um, the IDA board. I understand that he's not happy with this project because he doesn't agree with um, the price they're going to pay for this property. It's three times the current uh, sales value of of what residential property is worth. And my question to him would be, um, where's the common sense and where's the the government's, um, I don't know, they should be looking at it at tax dollars. How many tax dollars are going to be spent already? Uh, doing soil test, water test, uh, highway test. And if it doesn't get approved, all that money was wasted. Well, I already know all the residents in my area. Um, I'm proceeding to go along uh, Airport Road, East Main Road. Um, I'm 
chasing a dream here of trying to prevent the government from continuing to waste our money tax-wise. And, you know, I'm an idiot. I have no idea where I'm going. Um, I Anybody that can help, anybody that knows what's going on, anybody that was involved with the Bundy Hill diabolical, um, I need to find them. I mean, I need to understand. Well, in the end, though, and, and as because we've talked with the county executive on the program, and Jason Garner has said on this program that there's not a lot of land that is shovel-ready for businesses to come in and develop new operations. Of course, you point to the beautiful and underutilized, um, I still call it the Savin plant because I'm, I'm an old-timer, but the, the place there on Lewis Road where they once had a uh, newsroom for the newspaper and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's still being used by some tenants. But I think what Jason Garner and perhaps people with the ID, IDA would say, well, that's all well and good. There is, say, office space available there, but say if Micron calls up Broome County and they want to build a chip fabrication plant, there's no shovel-ready space for say a development like that that's i think that's the kind of project that they would love to have in broome county i think that's sort of their their dream if this plan to acquire those properties along airport road and east main road is is actually uh, realized well every town every town has their vision and every politician's argument on the campaign trail is that they're all in for the quality of life for their citizens, okay? And there are properties available. There are over 200 acres available um, at the Commerce Road, Airport Road, Barrier Road um, area that is already commercially zoned that is shovel-ready. Um, my biggest problem is it's right next to the land that used to be owned by and still is owned by the family of the town supervisor in the town of Maine, and I'm sure he doesn't want a corporate partner next to their properties. Oh, John from um, Binghamton just wrote in an email. He said they had a lot of land in Conklin until they covered it with solar panels. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, yeah. But but remember who's, who's doing that was. It wasn't Jason Garner. It was Debbie Preston who came up with that scheme for solar a solar farm, and and I don't believe that the um, the revenue that the county executive Preston said was going to be pouring into Broome County if they constructed the solar facility in Conklin. I don't think that ever came close to being true. Well, they did pass a moratorium in the town of Maine last uh, Tuesday night that there will be no uh, no more solar installations. Um, in the town of Maine, for how long? Indefinitely? It's or? a moratorium. Uh, for it's a moratorium to to stop it, to stop any really? more solar uh, facilities uh, arising in the town of Maine. Hmm. Interesting. I'd... And again, that, that, nothing in the paper, nothing, nothing on the news. Um, it, really, nothing on uh, nothing on TV. Nothing. Uh, you, I watch TV probably yeah. less than you do, or listen to the radio less than you do, but I watched the nightly news, Channel Channel 12, I watched uh, Channel uh, um, 5, 6, I, whatever. I, yeah, uh, I'm an, News I'm Channel old, old 34, guy. News Channel 34, and Fox 40, and uh, 12 News, and Spectrum News, and WSKG News, so 
I mean, I can understand that we don't have it here on WNBF because I can't be everywhere. I mean, if if they want to work me 24 hours a day, they can do it, but I'm not going to volunteer. I'll do it if they pay me. If they pay me overtime to work 24 hours a day, I'll do it to serve the community, but I'm not going to volunteer. Well, Bob, I just want to make people know what's going on. All right. um, I'm going to try and see... Uh what else I can do? If okay, well, keep ideas. me posted. I will say this. It's a good thing that you and other people call in to talk about some of these issues, especially as they're in the early stages, and we certainly don't know what will happen if ultimately this will be approved or if it won't, won't ultimately uh, go anywhere. But I, I will say this. Everybody... Everybody who listens to this program, if you're concerned about your community regarding development or other issues, feel free to call into this program because one of the true services of this program is there are journalists who do listen to this program to get a sense of what's going on in the area. And the fact that you have brought this up on the program probably bodes well. I would think that one or more reporters will take note specifically of this issue and what is currently happening with the uh, elected officials in the towns of Maine and Union. So I wouldn't be surprised, thanks to your call, that this could generate some some news coverage. I mean, that's that's always my hope when we talk about some of these issues. Even if I personally may not be able to do a story or go to a town board meeting, because I don't suspect they're going to approve overtime for that even if i can't do it maybe some other journalist will be able to and and i I think that'll that'll help improve some coverage of important stories well let's let's create some chaos let's say yeah i don't know that i want to create chaos all i want to do is is inform the news i'm saying let's make the news let's make some noise that's that's what i'm trying to say oh yeah that's actually that's a key part of our democracy, so more people are informed, regardless of how ultimately it turns out. Again, nobody has a crystal ball. I can't predict what will happen with this issue or any other issue, but I think it's so important for people to be informed. And regardless of, you know, something that happens in in Binghamton, Johnson City, or Endicott, or Vestal, those communities seem to get more coverage than, say, uh, what goes on in, in some of the towns, including Maine and, and even the town of Union, there isn't much coverage. But but there ought to be some more coverage, and, and hopefully uh, thoughtful residents will call in when they learn of something. Because I, I think that's that's all part of 2023, how things actually can get some coverage, some better coverage, by people calling into a local talk program and, and getting the word out. Keep at it, Bob. Thank you. Thank you. And that's Airport Road, Bob, in the town of Maine here at News Radio WNBF, WNBF.com. If you have thoughts, well, I have phone lines. I love our phone lines. They're beautiful phone lines. They're the best phone lines. And they're reachable at 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph live on a Thursday morning. Ten fifty-five. Bob Joseph live on WNBF. 
Wayne in Owego. Good morning. You're on the air. Morning, Bob. Bob, I'm not a frequent listener, but I have not heard anything regarding the Trailside Inn and Festival. What's going on there? It's been supposedly completed a couple of years now, and nothing's happening. Do you have any idea what the story is? Well... About uh, four weeks ago, I did a story, because I, too, shared your concerns about what's going on, because I've been following this from its inception, um, because the property was sold in March of 2021, so it's been nearly two years since the uh, place was sold for $399,000, so I've been thinking, well place looks good. I, I was actually in there, I think, last summer and went on sort of a tour of the place, saw the, the kitchen looked nice, and a lot had been done, but there still was work to be done. So I was unable to reach the, uh, the woman who has been behind the idea. Jeannie Post was uh, the person who told me how excited she was. In fact, uh, she gave me that tour uh, last summer. But I, in the last couple of months, I was not able to reach her. And I thought, oh, well, maybe it's not going to happen. However, however, I was, I was writing the story, and this was uh, just a few days before Christmas. So I was writing a story and prepared to say that it's a complete mystery about what's going to happen with the historic Drover's Inn building on Pump House Road in Vestal. I was writing that story, and story, I would say, was nearly complete. And then I got a call from uh, the person who, on the website for the business, is uh, listed as, as the general manager. And Paul Daniels told me, he said, the place absolutely will open... He said that uh, they have been working through the financing, and he said to me, Jeannie Post is still committed to the project, but he wouldn't discuss when the business might be in operation. So that was the last I heard. So that was on December 21st that the intention, according to Paul Daniels, was that it it's still the, the plan or the goal is to uh, eventually open up. That's the last I heard. Well, that's good to know. At least there seems to be hope that it will uh, still open. Well, I, you know, given how much work that Jeannie Post uh, has put into this, because I, I had been in touch with her since she bought the place nearly two years ago, and I, I had a number of conversations with her discussing her vision, and also, actually, I think I said I was there last summer. It was it appears that the pictures that I, I took actually were in October 2021. Even then, I mean, it looked beautiful, you know, the, as, especially the exterior. But a lot of work had been done inside the building. It's a, it's a great building that has been around since 1844. And, and as of October 2021, she was hopeful of having at least some limited events there for the holiday season then. But you know, there may have been, who knows, could be supply chain problems. Uh, of course, all this renovation was going on during the pandemic, so there may have been all sorts of complications. But, again, based on, on the last word I had, they uh, evidently still 
eventually intend to open the place, and I hope they do. Well, hopefully it'll be soon. I think it's uh, going to be a very nice addition to the area. Yeah, they've done a lot of work. I mean, I remember one morning back when I was working early mornings, I saw uh, a crew from the town of Vestal Water Department. They were putting in uh, a new water line under the street there they had to do it early in the morning so they wouldn't disrupt traffic and so that was you know they wanted to have sufficient water because the place also was going to be sort of a boutique hotel in addition to a restaurant so you know a lot of work has been done and with that amount of work i i certainly would expect that it will open at some point and i'll try to keep you posted i appreciate your call it's 11 o'clock i'm bob joseph informing the binghamton area on news radio wnbf binghamton where news breaks first news radio 1290 wnbf good morning on this thursday january 19th you're listening to wnbf as Binghamton area speedy lovers expressed disappointment by the sudden shutdown of Lupo's SNS Char Pit, the operators of the business are evaluating their options for the property. During a live radio interview Wednesday, Steve Lupo told WMBF News there's certainly nothing good about closing a business or a restaurant. The landmark Char Pit closed its doors without warning Sunday evening, shocking loyal customers and out-of-state fans who looked forward to visiting the restaurant when they visited Binghamton. Lupo said the company's wholesale meat business, which operates a processing plant in West Endicott, continues to be great, but he said we are trying to decide if we'll stay in retail with the restaurant. The SNS Char Pit opened in a former Dairy Queen restaurant building on West State Street in 1978. Lupo said a lot of thought was given before the closing, but he said Sunday was our last day. He said consideration had been given to downsizing or developing a takeout operation. Now that the restaurant is closed, Lupo said he has more time to consider the future and weigh various options. He isn't ruling out resuming a retail speedy business, but he said if we did something, it would be a smaller operation. Binghamtonians aren't sitting back on our haunches and basking in the lack of snow this year because we know better. We know that the worst of winter hasn't even arrived yet and that although the weather conditions have been relatively uneventful, they won't stay like this. Believe it or not, despite how mild winter has been so far in upstate New York, Binghamton still takes the title as being one of the snowiest cities in the United States. Mind-boggling given our current mild winter, but don't let out your breath just yet. We're not meteorologists, but we do predict we'll see at least one huge winter storm before April like we do virtually every year. According to Angie, which pulled data from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's National Centers for Environmental Information and National Climates Reports, three New York cities have landed on the list of the snowiest cities in the United States. Cities were ranked by average snowfall over the last five years. Obviously, Buffalo made this list, but what if we told you that Syracuse, on average, sees more snow than Buffalo? According to the reports from the NOAA, Syracuse averages 77.5 inches of snow, and that snow total places them on number four on the top 25 snowiest cities list, falling close Close behind Syracuse and taking number five spot is Buffalo with an average of 68.8 inches of snow. The sixth snowiest spot in the United States belongs to Binghamton, where we average 61.9 inches of snow. On January 15th, state police arrested Patrick T. Combs, age 24, of Roxbury for grand larceny in the third degree, criminal possession of cannabis in the third degree, and operating a motor vehicle while under the influence of drugs in the first degree. State police were called to State Highway 30 in the town of Roxbury for a report of a larceny by a store employee, a preliminary investigation 
investigation determined that Combs stole an undisclosed amount from a safe and then left the store in his vehicle. Troopers located Combs and when approaching his vehicle could smell an odor of cannabis. While conducting an inventory of the vehicle, troopers located a large amount of cannabis, a weight scale, drug paraphernalia, and alcohol. The investigation is ongoing. On January 17th, state police responded to Interstate 81 northbound near mile marker 101.3 in the town of Hastings for a reported pedestrian struck by a vehicle. When troopers arrived, they observed multiple vehicles parked along the shoulder of the roadway. Interviews with those drivers revealed several vehicles subsequently struck the victim in the roadway. The 20-year-old male from Cicero was pronounced deceased at the scene. Based on interviews with witnesses and evidence collected, investigators believe the pedestrian appeared to have walked in the lane of traffic purposely. The name of the victim is not being released at this time. No criminal charges are expected against any of the drivers. The investigation is continuing. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul's nominee to be the state's chief judge was rejected by a state Senate panel Wednesday. The Senate Judiciary Committee voted not to forward Hector LaSalle's Court of Appeals nomination to the full Senate after questioning him for more than four hours. Most of Hochul's fellow Democrats voted against LaSalle. Hochul said he he deserved a hearing before the full Senate. She nominated LaSalle just before Christmas, hoping he would become the first Latino to lead the seven-member high court. The pick ran into trouble after a vocal coalition of opponents claimed LaSalle's judicial record was too conservative. As New York opens more legal outlets for recreational marijuana, some public health advocates want more scrutiny on how marijuana products are being marketed to teens and young adults. Flavored nicotine is being outlawed by more states and cities, but similar bans don't often apply to marijuana products advertised as Mad Mango, Peach Dream, and Cereal Milk. In New York, state regulators are considering rules that would ban brightly colored labels and advertising that could entice young people to cannabis products. The proposals would prohibit cartoons and neon colors, as well as forbid packaging that could depict marijuana products as candy, soda, drinks, cookies, or cereal. The countdown toward a possible U.S. government default is in the offing, and frictions between President Joe Biden and House Republicans are raising alarms about whether the U.S. can sidestep a potential economic crisis. The Treasury Department projects that the federal government on Thursday will reach its legal borrowing capacity. It's an artificially imposed cap that lawmakers have increased roughly 80 times since the 1960s. Markets so far remain calm, as the government can temporarily rely on accounting tweaks to stay open. That means any threats to the economy are several months away. But this particular moment seems more fraught than past brushes with the debt limit. When Elon Musk wants to make a point, it can often be blunt. On the day he took over Twitter last fall, he walked into the San Francisco company's headquarters carrying a sink. He tweeted, let that sink in. Get it? Twitter has gotten rid of most of its workforce and has fallen behind on rent and contractual obligations. Now it's auctioning off memorabilia, fancy office furniture, and professional kitchen equipment from its San Francisco offices, where large spaces now sit empty and free meals are a relic of the past. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, rain, possibly mixed with snow, becoming all rain after 11 a.m., a high near 39 degrees, chance of rain 100%. Tonight, showers likely, mainly after 3 a.m., cloudy with a low near 36 degrees, 70% chance of rain. Tomorrow, rain showers likely before 9 a.m., then rain and snow showers likely between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., then rain showers likely after 11 a.m., cloudy with a high near 40 degrees, chance of rain 70%. Tomorrow night, a chance of rain and snow showers before 9 p.m., then a chance of snow showers, cloudy with a low near 27 degrees, chance 
chance of rain 50%. Saturday, a slight chance of snow showers before 2 p.m. Cloudy with a high near 33 degrees, chance of snow 20%. Saturday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 26. And Sunday, rain and snow likely after 2 p.m. Cloudy with a high near 37 degrees, chance of rain 70%. Sunday night, rain and snow likely before 2 a.m., then a chance of snow. Cloudy with a low near 32 degrees, chance of rain 70%. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. I'm Bob Joseph. It's Thursday morning. You're listening to WNBM. Let's 607-772-1290 is our number. So if you wish to offer some insights or some thoughts about things that are going on in our area or in your world... You are cordially invited to join us. And if you're new to the uh, program, thank you. Welcome aboard. We uh, welcome everyone, everyone, truly everyone, 8 billion people are welcome to this program. Anybody who has access to a phone can call in 607-772-1290 talk about uh, some important issues. And remember, it's a conversation, which in 2023, conversations, especially on the radio, are rare. Let's start the hour with former Binghamton Mayor Matthew Ryan. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing? Good. Good. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, I wanted to weigh in on the... uh uh, John's call about physician-assisted suicide and possibly being passed in New York State, his uh, uh, moral moral uh, opposition to that. And I, I think I'm in a position to uh, give a little uh, um, my, my ideas about that. Since in 2003, my father died. He was in a hospital in, in Philadelphia where he was from originally. He raised us and then went back there and was a great guy, docent at uh, Independence Hall, living history tours, all that. But then he got cancer, and he um, uh, he decided to. They decided they'd either have to cut off his leg, or uh, the cancer was manifesting in his leg, or um, try this experimental surgery that would replace the bones in his leg with rods and stuff like that. Something that hadn't been done before. He he didn't want to live without a leg, and he. Uh, went for that surgery. Unfortunately, it didn't really work that well. It, um, I was visiting him in the hospital all the time, and uh, he was asking me, he goes, he was in such pain and such, and, and it was clear that he was starting to get septic, and he said, please find me a pill. I want to die. And uh, so I said, Dad, I, don't, I, I can't get a pill. Philadelphia doesn't, or, you know, Pennsylvania is in a, a um a place where you can get that can happen. And uh, so anyway, fast forward a, a couple more weeks, and he had gone completely septic, and the doctors had put him on uh, morphine. It was clear he was going to die. Uh, me and my brother were there all the time, and then the doctor said to us, your father's heart's very strong. Go home and get some rest and come back in a few hours because we, we wanted to be there. <clears throat> 
And um, when we came back, my father was in hospice, considered hospice, but he was on a floor that wasn't hospice. And they were continually increasing his morphine, which is really suicide, uh, assisted suicide, eventually. So, uh, but this nurse, who apparently had the same uh, feelings as John has about it, uh, since he wasn't on a, a, a hospice floor, decided to take my father's morphine drip out of his body. Uh, he then, um, when we got back to the hospital, uh, my father was writhing in pain, and the doctors couldn't put the morphine drips back in because his body was so septic. So here's what you've... I'm not going to tell you what I went through, but seeing my father die like that. So here's what... Here's what um, hold on a second. Here's what Oregon requires for assisted suicide. You have to be an adult 18 years or older, uh, a resident capable of uh, able to make and communicate health care decisions and diagnosed with a terminal illness, incurable and irreversible, that will lead to death within six months. And then the patients meeting these requirements are eligible to request the prescription for lethal medication. The doctor doesn't just assist in this. So here's what you have to make if you're the patient. You must make two oral requests to the physician separated by at least 15 days. The patient must provide a written witnessed request to his physician with two witnesses. The prescribing physician and a consulting physician must confirm the diagnosis and prognosis. The, the prescribing physician and consulting physician must determine whether the patient is capable. If the physician believes the patient's judgment is impaired by a psychiatric or psychological disorder, he must refer the patient for a psychological examination. The prescribing physician must inform the patient of feasible alternatives to assisted suicide, including comfort care, hospice care, and pain control. And the prescribing physician must request, but must not require the patient to notify his next of kin of the prescription request. So clearly, if you put in a scheme like this for physician-assisted suicide, you are allowing patients to die with dignity. You are allowing them to make their health care choice and not live in absolute uh, horrible pain and and, and again, let's go back to that one. It has to be confirmed that the condition is irreversible. So that doesn't mean somebody who can get treatment, they won't allow them to do this, who could live. So it's a pretty strict standard. And if we put that standard in, we will allow people in New York State to die with dignity the same way uh, we allow our pets to die with dignity. We treat our pets better than we do human beings. I went through it, and uh, that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor Ryan, former Binghamton Mayor Matthew Ryan, sharing a, a personal story, and I appreciate your doing that. That's difficult. It's difficult to talk about the death of anyone, especially the death of a parent. And think about the situations that you personally have experienced or maybe some situations where at least you have some knowledge of of um, the final days or weeks 
of the life of someone special, a friend, relative, a parent, grandparent. Tough issue. Important. It's important to discuss, and we will continue to discuss it. And it's indeed the fact that this could be acted on by state lawmakers in Albany in the coming weeks. It's it's something that, that really ought to be talked about, and seriously, and certainly. It's to be expected that people have some strong opinions about the issue for various reasons. So we will allow people, as appropriate, to um, discuss this. And it's also, because of the sensitivity, we also will understand if, if people, especially if they're referring to some of their own personal experiences, will, will find it uh, so emotionally charged that it, it may not be possible, say, to share everything that might be on their mind in a particular moment. It's 1120. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is a special report from ABC News. Prosecutors in New Mexico announcing they plan to file criminal charges in the deadly shooting on the set of Rust in 2021. They intend to file charges against actor and producer Alec Baldwin with two counts of involuntary manslaughter and also against the armorer Hannah Gutierrez-Reed with also two counts of involuntary manslaughter in the death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. Baldwin was holding a prop gun during a run-through of a scene when the gun fired. Authorities say cinematographer Helena Hutchins was killed by a live round inside that gun. Again, charging actor and producer Alec Baldwin along with armorer Hannah Gutierrez-Reed from the movie set Rust with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. This has been a special report from ABC News. I'm Michelle Franzen. It's 1123. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF, taking your calls at 607-772-1290. DJ in Binghamton, good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. I want to speak to the heart of uh, former Mayor Matt Ryan. Bro, we love you. We care about you. We don't care about your... Political opinions or ideas, we care about what you went through in life. And you're, you know, I agree with you. And so your dad was your heart. And thank you for sharing that story. That's called a testimony. And we loved it. Us who have common sense loved it. And it's so nice to hear that. And you know what? You're, you're in our hearts, you're in our prayers. You and I last saw each other on New Year's Eve, and I hugged you. And you hugged me back. And that meant a lot to me. Just because we have differing uh, political opinions and ideas, that's, that's garbage compared to our hearts and what's important to us and why we're in this land. We're in this land to be a blessing to each other. So I want to say thank you for sharing that, Matt. This is DJ from Binghamton. You know who I am. 
and and you're our brother, man, and we care about you. That's all I wanted to say, Bob. Thank you. It's 1124 at WNBF, WNBF.com. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Selena from Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my heart goes out to the former mayor uh, because the same situation happened to me back in July 6, 2019, when I lost my mom. As I said, it's when we think about the death of a, a loved one, especially a parent. Yeah, it's my tough. mom. Yeah, my mom broke my heart when she went away. She couldn't make decisions. She suffered from uh, dementia and all that. She was ninety. But uh, my heart goes out to the former mayor because I know what it's like. Well, I uh, I I thank him for. You know, having the the courage to do that and tell about his personal experience. Because yeah, I, I think I think that's the sort of thing. It's it's powerful and it helps put put um, some of these legal issues into a very important context. Yeah. Um. In the Endicott, where my mom was, am I allowed to say? Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I, I just. We'll say she was at at a facility. Yeah, yeah, in Endicott. Yeah, she died in my arms. So um, I just wanted to throw that out there, and I love your show, and thank you so much for your service. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, it's it's tough. This is tough. This is talking about death. Is perhaps one of the most difficult things to discuss. Whether it's one-on-one with someone or with a group of people, family, friends, strangers. I think it's difficult. It's difficult to talk about on the radio. And it seldom is. Very, very rarely are you going to hear much serious discussion about the topic. It's not a fun topic. There are a lot of other topics that may not be fun, but they're not as difficult to address because these things bring up so many issues. It's so complicated for everyone. It's 1127. I'm Bob Joseph with you on News Radio, WNBF 921 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming on WNBF.com. Your new. Eleven thirty, WNBF Binghamton. Bob Joseph live. Vic and Herkimer. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Excuse me, I got a call. I listen to both John, Matt Ryan, and the last two callers, and I have the right to uh, offer an opinion because my wife of eighteen years, twenty four years ago, died of pancreatic cancer. I was fortunate enough to. Uh, 
work at IBM where they put me on full pay while I was on family leave. And uh, those last three months in the hospital, I, I actually slept on the floor next to her bed. I went through everything but the pain that she went through, uh, the worries and all that. And I understand John's point of view from a religious uh, point of view. If uh, you, you if you've ever watched The Chosen or, or um, read a Bible, you'll know that God is capable of all miracles. Uh, you just got to have the faith, like the woman that grabbed his coat and got healed. Uh, uh, but that kind of faith is very hard to find. But somebody might have it for you. So in that aspect, in that point of view, I would not want to take my wife's life. But the but the other aspect is watching her waste away, wither in pain, going out screaming in hospice care at my house. I can totally understand assisted suicide. And I think that the choice is already made once the doctor says there's no returning. Once you see the the, the catheter bag filling up with blood, uh, the spinal blood coming out, because I had to go to Syracuse to train how to do a spinal injection of morphine into my, directly into my wife's spine. And I was the first one in New York to do that without a medical license so I could bring her home to die. But I watched it all. It was devastating. I, I can talk about it now because it's been 24 years this April. And I think that it's a very personal and very conflicting decision you got to make to take a human life because humans, unlike the dogs and cats we put down, they have the ability to think for themselves. To you know, it's just such a, it's just a shady area for me. I totally understand putting wanting to put someone down who's who's suffering in pain and depression, and uh, it's beyond return of getting good health. But on the other hand, I'm a Christian, and I believe that if the, if you or someone with the faith that it takes can lay hands and, and heal that person, uh, that could happen right after the time, in, in, in Christian times, in Christ times, even after death, he rose people from the dead. It's just the faith you got to have. And unfortunately, I didn't have that faith or I would have fixed my wife. Uh but, but see where I'm conflicted here? I don't want to see them suffer, and I want to give them every chance to live up until their last breath. So I agree with both Matt and John and the other callers that called in on this subject. And Vic, I appreciate your call. And I, again, I'm, um, I'm very aware of just how difficult this conversation is for for anybody, especially when you're recalling the final days or hours or even minutes of someone someone who was close to you. It, it's hard, Bob. It's just hard to go through it. If you've never been through it, it's so hard to go through it. And I had to leave my kids in charge of a stranger while I was gone because we had four children. Uh, the oldest was uh, 18, and the youngest was uh, 11, I believe, or 11 or 12. And it, it was it was just hard on the family. It was hard on everybody that associated with it. Uh, her brother was a minister, or excuse me, her uncle was a minister for the Assemblies of God in Windsor. And he would come in the house and put his hands on her, like I was talking about, and pray for a healing. 
But he created so much pain by shaking her and putting his hands on her that I had to bar him from coming in the house to see his niece die. So you go through all kinds of emotions, Bob. And, and like I said, it's been 24 years. I think about her every day. I still love her. Uh, I still talk to her. Like I, I, I go to her headstone and talk to her and tell her family events and things like that. Uh, I bring her flowers on the anniversary of her death, Christmas, Easter, and uh, uh, Mother's Day. So you never lose that part of your love for somebody. And and I think I think that's part of the healing. If you're as emotional as Matt Ryan is so many years later, the love must have been great between them. And, and because I'm not crying doesn't mean I didn't love my wife very much. It's just been 24 years. And, you know, each time does heal all wounds, you get over it. But you don't get over the memory of the death itself. You remember every bit of that three months that I slept on the hospital floor. Uh, there was a time when my wife had to have uh, enemas to relieve the pressure in her belly because she had the Whipple procedure and she couldn't go on her own. Well, the hospital that she was staying in was Sloan Catering in Syracuse. Um, actually, it wasn't Sloan Catering at that time, but they became Sloan Catering. Uh, on the eighth floor of that hospital was a cancer ward for the upstairs, and the fifth floor was a cancer ward for the children. But um, uh, they couldn't give her an enema, and her pain was getting great because the reason they couldn't give her the enema she needed was a medical mixture. They didn't have it. So I said, where can I get it? I went to CVS, and I bought them all. And I said, you just make sure my wife gets hers and then give the rest to whoever needs it. And uh, two days later, the supplies came in. And the good side of that story, I think this is the reason they did what they did. When I took my wife home from that hospital to die, they called me in. IBM benefits had run out. I had a bill of over $300,000 that I had to pay. I uh, actually had a bill of 800000 but I, I took 500000 out of my retirement account and put that down on her on her uh, bed tag. And then they called me into the room before I left. They said they wanted to talk to me. All the nurses and staff on the floor, because I spent every night there at the hospital on the floor, because I did that with the enema bags, and because I would go downstairs when my wife was out cold and talk with the kids and volunteer to push them around in wheelchairs that had cancer, they told me they were going to forgive the other 300, and I think it was 82,000, I don't remember, that I owed. And... and they just thanked me so much for everything I did for the hospital while I was there. So there was some good to the end, but there's you don't remember that until years later. Appreciate your call. Take care, Bob. Thanks, Vic. It's 11.38 on a Thursday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. Phone number is 607-772-1290. And if you'd like to send an email... You can send it to Bob at WNBF.com. News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. You can always be connected with us using the free WNBF app. Hey!
WNBF, WNBF.com. This is Bob Joseph. On a Thursday morning at 1144, Martin in Binghamton. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Bob. Uh, yeah, my heart goes out to uh, all the previous callers. And I met Matt at a golf course I was working at. And at that time, he had lost his mother and his horse of 30 years um, at, within a short period of time. So that's that's a heck of a lot of loss, you know. So, But um, I've gone through three of those things with cancer um, from start from the mid-'80s and then and then to the 90s and to the 2015 and that. And they made leaps and bounds from 86 to that. But um, real quick, since it's an opinion show, my opinion is that it's not a religious issue at all. It's a medical issue and a familial issue with a family and a moral issue. Like, you know, we do put our pets down um, humanely. And, um, and you hear Matt's emotions talking about that and that, you know, it's like the human body, it's like the subconscious brain doesn't recognize time. So that's why that boom, those triggers are right there. And you want a good uh, example of that is like PTSD with soldiers and uh, firecrackers or guns going off or whatever. And because, you know, they could be fine. And then boom, that's a trigger. Um, and about, I just caught the end of John's talking about that. And, but I saw Soylent Green in the movies and, uh, in 73 and also uh, uh, on TV several times. And, you know, with Edward G. Robinson passing away, I mean, my God, it's like um, you're getting a shot and you're seeing a video of uh, beautiful countryside and flowers or whatever versus, you know, losing uh body parts and writhing in pain and all that. I mean, come on, people, we're, we're supposed to progress as a society, um, you know, and, you know, we have freedom of religion, but we also have freedom from religion, uh, my opinion, but that's a fact. I mean, we do. I mean, you're, you're entitled to that right. And what it's a quick story about, you know, my mom in 86, how far we went, is that she had cancer. She went in. She was going to get a shot. She was supposed to come home. It was on a Thursday. We're waiting. And then we get a call and says, well, we're giving her last rites. And it's like, oh, are you kidding? What? You know, so we went in there, and she was literally, her eyes were literally rolling around in her head. And talking to the doctor, well, what, what the hell did you do? What happened? He goes, well, she signed a contract. You know, we, um, this, is, this is how it is. You know, we had to go at it with big guns. But in retrospect, I'd give her, you know, 50 to 75 percent less, you know. And so we were able to take her home. And she went downhill and aged like it was like a time machine. She was only 61 and she looked like 101 and within the last um, 10 days. And I was fortunate enough on that Friday night to go see Billy Crystal actually played here at SUNY. And I was, you know, it was a great show and just a lot of humor and stuff. And, um, but I was thinking of her. And after I dropped my friends off, I was like, you have a right to go back to the hospital. Something told me to go back to the hospital. So I go back there and like, she's kind of like winding down. And she asked me, Hey, how was the marvelous man? Cause he did Fernando Lamas. That was it. And like, that's how important the arts are too. It's like in the dying moments, you're sharing something. You can bring some humor and you have some relation to that. 
you know, but um, it's we've come a long way. And then fast forward to 94 and then 2015 with other family members, my father and my uh, fiance, you know, and then you go in there now and you it's comfortable. You get shots. It's over a period of time. You can come home and you can um, eat and, and carry on. But then uh, towards the end, some people, everybody's different. You can um, hang in there. But I'll never forget my cousin who lost his son. Um, and it was uh, at, at Catholic Central and they had closed the school and they had a huge funeral for him and everything else, but he was winding down from uh, cystic fibrosis and everything, but I'll never forget him telling me in Tom's Coffee Shop that, you know, there's worse things than dying, and there certainly is, and when you, if you witness this, and there's many people I have, so it's it's a personal uh, issue, uh, I believe it's a, it's a medical issue, and a, and a family issue, and it's up to the the doctor and uh, the family, and, and first of all, most of all, the patient. And so that's what what I have to say about that. And my heart goes out to everybody because I know what uh, what you've gone through. But you know, it's like you know, we I've had to put down three dogs and two cats in the past twenty some years. And you go in, you give them a shot to relax, and then you give them another shot, and they they just fatal. You know, they go away. And so you know. That's uh, it's time to treat humans um, more um, morally, ethically. So thanks for your time, Bob. Thank you, Martin. And thank you for sharing your thoughts. It's 1149 at News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. And I do appreciate the people who have talked about the entire topic anything involving death is a challenge it's a challenge and not sure over the past 11 years that this program has been on i don't think we've talked about it very much but it's an important topic and I know that at some point people will say, well, I, I don't want to hear a lot more about it. And that's understandable. It's understandable. You know, it's not, not something that we would look forward to spending many hours or many days discussing. But, but going forward with the fact that uh, the issue will be uh, front and center, for a time in the New York State Legislature, I think that's uh, something that we'll be hearing a lot more about. Another uh, developing story right now, and you heard our report earlier from ABC News with the news about the actor, Alec Baldwin, the uh, latest report indicates that Alec Baldwin will, in fact, be charged. He apparently is going to be charged with involuntary manslaughter in connection with the death of a woman who was working on a a film shoot in New Mexico last year. And high-profile case. I'm still confused about how 
something like that could ever have happened, except for mistakes, as as the, the simplest thing that probably will emerge if if there's a criminal trial. And at this stage, who knows whether this actually will go to trial. Mistakes were made. Clearly, mistakes were made. But the question still presents itself, how could mistakes like this be made on a film set? So the prosecutors are indicating Alec Baldwin will be charged with involuntary manslaughter. And also... The uh, person, the armorer, who is overseeing weapons, she is expected to be charged with involuntary manslaughter. According to the Wall Street Journal, the film's first assistant director has agreed to plead guilty to the charge of negligent use of a deadly weapon. So that's, that's a story that will dominate the headlines this afternoon and and maybe for the next 12 to 24 hours of the news cycle 11:53 I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF and back to the phone we go good morning you're on the air what's your first name where are you calling from Beverly from the town of Dickerson Hi Hi yeah uh, I was listening to the people talk about their loved ones but the hardest one for me my friend Bob, is that when my grandson committed suicide in 2020, that was the hardest thing for me. And uh, when mom and dad and my sister and my brother passed away, I knew that they all lived a good life, you know, and God took them home peacefully. But my grandson, it, it really, really bothered me. And I, I was listening to everyone speak, and God bless them all. But I really missed my grandson. He'll be gone three years in November. But I feel better now that I got it out. Well, I thank you for sharing that. Um, in many cases, being able to talk and certainly speaking with someone who you know cares and you know because you have communicated with us on this program so many times over the years you know that i care and you also realize that the people listening to the program care about each other that's right well be well and and thank you thank you for for calling in and always know that You've got friends here at WNBF and, right. and and friends, the extended family of people who listen to this program, including thousands of people who never have an opportunity to call in. Yeah, I heard that you had a call from Herkimer, New York. That's right. Vic from the Forks is right now living in, in Herkimer, but he still he oh, still he listens is? to the yeah. So that was it was Vic from the Forks, oh, yeah? and and right now he's he's in Herkimer. But he still well, contributes. Away, I wonder. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure uh, of the circumstances, but he certainly still loves the Binghamton area, and we appreciate yeah, that he. Yeah, we appreciate that he still listens and and calls in when he's able to. My stepdaughter lives in Mohawk. Right. 
Right. Well, I may take a trip out there, uh, you know, in the next couple of months. I haven't been out in that area around Oneida County in, in quite a while, so maybe I'll go out to uh, Herkimer or Utica or Mohawk. Did you and- say with that guy uh, won money on, um, on the Price is Right from Altona, Pennsylvania? No, but I'll look it up. Hey, I got to run. I appreciate your call, Beverly. Uh, okay, bye-bye. Bye. 11.56. I'm Bob Joseph. We're here for you on WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. Thanks for listening. This is WNBF Binghamton.